you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Okay, our text today is Matthew chapter 19. If you would turn there with me in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 9. Beginning in verse 3. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So imagine the scene. Here are the Pharisees. They come up to Jesus, and they want to test him. And they ask him this question. Is it lawful? Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? This question continues to reverberate throughout the generations. The same question is repeated in every generation whenever couples are deeply hurt and angry. They're looking for emotional safety. They want to protect their heart. And so they make decisions to protect themselves. They either fight or they leave. Both reveal deep pain and lack of trust. And because of this, divorce is an issue we need to address. Most statistics state that roughly half of all marriages end in divorce. I think the rate of divorce is actually higher than 50%. For the simple reason that more people are living together. And their relationships are never registered as a marriage. And so when they break up, it's not recorded as a divorce. This happens with no official record. So there are many divorces we don't know about. Unless you happen to be a friend or a relative. It's higher than 50%. The statistics also state that the rate of divorce in the church is the same as it is outside the church. This is also questionable. I've been a pastor for over 25 years. Out of the hundreds of couples that I have known that got plugged into the life of the church, I have counted less than 10 got divorced. Terry and I added them up this week, less than 10. Churches that encourage their members to read, and study, and apply the word of God in their lives have a much lower rate of divorce. In my experience, it's been less than 5%. Do not let the media and surveys scare you. The enemy wants to say you have a 50-50 chance. It's just a roll of the dice. In my observation, most committed Christians are able to avoid the landmine of divorce when they rely on the Holy Spirit as their partner. This is huge. The leading and the enabling of the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in the world. 
Secondly, our life groups are for discipleship. They also double as support groups. And so couples in the small group find the support they need. These two factors, the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ, make all the difference. The enemy wants to say you have a 50-50 chance. It's just a roll of the dice. The word of God says if he dwells within you, and if you are relying on him, you have the victory. There will be battles, but he will give you wisdom, and he will give you power to overcome. We need to be sober-minded, but we don't have to operate in fear. When you apply the word of God, and when you rely on the Spirit of God, you will be a testimony to the presence of God. The Pharisees asked Jesus a question about divorce, but they got way more than they bargained for. Jesus highlighted God's blueprint for marriage that had been established from the beginning. In verse 4, before I get into this, let me just say, there's so much to unpack in this passage. Uh, We'll go through it one truth at a time. But they asked him this question. So in verse 4, Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one, one flesh. Now let me encourage you not to read too quickly And overlook the obvious. Did you notice the description of the married couple? Jesus said, He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And they, meaning the male and the female, would become one. Let me put it this way. This is going to get real serious. Jesus did not say, Male and male will become one. He did not say female and female would become one. Unfortunately, the U.S. Supreme Court has stated that marriage can be with whoever you want it to be. We need to be very careful here. We need to be very careful about how we respond to a redefinition of marriage. Otherwise, we can be on very dangerous ground. And I mean that literally. We can be on very dangerous ground. Here are some observations from history that maybe you've never thought of before. If you look back at history, anytime a nation got to a place where its society accepted sin as normal and got to a place where it called what is wrong right and what is right wrong, there were severe consequences for that nation. Oftentimes, they were crushed. Let me give you a few examples. When the people of Israel got away from God, they participated in ungodly practices, such as sacrificing their babies. Remember the worship of Moloch and Baal? When that became acceptable behavior, they were crushed by the Babylonians. When Germany, as a country became so proud that they bought into the belief that they were superior to the point that they actually began to annihilate the so-called inferior, which they decided included the Jews. Then they were crushed. Sodom and Gomorrah, 
was steeped in homosexuality, and they were crushed. The southern United States tried to continue in slavery, and they were crushed. In the 1940s, Japan was very abusive in most of Asia, including here on Guam, and they were crushed. I don't know what the consequences will be for the United States since Roe versus Wade or this recent Supreme Court decision about same-sex marriage. I don't know what the consequences will be if our country continues to reject God's blueprint for marriage and the family. But I do know this. You do not want to be on the wrong team when the Supreme Court versus the Supreme Being. Jesus said, He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And said, now notice who's being quoted. He who made them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Jesus is talking about God the Father. This is who's speaking. He has said, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is God's blueprint for marriage. Having said that, I want to take you further into an area area of marriage that is also very important. Since God's design for marriage involves a man and a woman, what is the role of the husband and the wife? What is the role of the husband and the wife? And more specifically, who is the leader? Now the key to understanding the roles of husbands and wives is knowing that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Ephesians 5.31 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. The Apostle Paul said, I reveal to you a great mystery. The relationship between a man and a woman is a picture of Christ and the church. So husbands and future husbands, this is very challenging. Paul is saying that your role is to represent God's heart. The call to manhood is high. God is calling you to be a servant leader. In the beginning, God created Adam, and he gave him an assignment. He was to be steward of the earth. That means he was supposed to take care of it. If you built a house, and you had someone stay in your house for a lifetime, you would expect them to take care of it. And God built this amazing house called earth, and he gave man an amazing responsibility And the responsibility is so great that he gave Adam a partner to help him accomplish the mission. Every couple has a mission to live out their assignment. It includes everything from keeping their household in order to developing professions to serve society. And men, you need to lead in the development of the assignment. If you don't see yourself as a leader, let me challenge you with this. Whether you know it or not, you are a leader. You are always leading. You are leading in one of two ways. You are either leading well or you are leading poorly, but you are always leading. 
There's, there's so much to say about leadership. But this, isn't, but this is not about leadership. It's about marriage. And so I just want to say one thing. Here's one thing that we as men can do as leaders. Men, we need to speak up for what is right. We need to speak up for what is good. And we need to speak up for what honors God. That's what Adam failed to do in the Garden of Eden. He was there when Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he didn't say anything. He was quiet. I don't know what was going on in Adam's head. But if I had to guess, I imagine that he probably had to make a choice between God and the woman. And he chose the woman. Man, if you have to choose between pleasing God and pleasing a person, choose God and speak up for what is right. Now, having said that, I need to caution us to avoid extremes. One extreme is being passive. That was Adam. He didn't say anything. The other extreme is pushing your way around. If you do either of those, if you're too passive or if you're too aggressive, you lose the trust and the attraction of those around you. Amen? Here's an example of having proper balance. How many of you watch the Super Bowl? Less than half. How many of you don't like to raise your hand? <laughs> okay, here's a little football trivia for you. Who is, the great, who is the greatest wide receiver in the history of football? Man, you guys have got it. Jerry Rice. I mean, he has a whole list of NFL records. And just one of those, just one. He has 197 touchdown passes. That's just one of the records. Now, as amazing, Jerry Rice is a Hall of Famer. He's considered one of the greatest football players ever. And as amazing as Jerry Rice is, when he gets in the huddle, let's say, for example, when he played on the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana, they were like the greatest passing combination ever. But when they get in the huddle, everybody on the team knows that the team captain is the quarterback. Now, if Joe Montana is smart, he will listen to his teammate. And if they get in the huddle and Jerry Rice says, Hey, Joe, the defensive end, he keeps taking my inside fake. So why don't you call a play where I fake inside, I go long, you throw the bomb, and touchdown. Now, if Joe is smart, he's going to listen to Jerry and make a decision and call an appropriate play based on what he's hearing about what's happening on the field. Men... When you come home from work, you need to huddle with your wife and you need to listen to what she says is happening on the field (laughs) with the kids at school and at home. And then taking into account what she has said, you need to make a decision and you need to call a play according to what she has told you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) A good quarterback listens to his teammate in order to call the play. A good husband listens to God and listens to his wife, and then he makes decisions. It's critical that the husband and wife are a team. It's part of the blueprint. Listen again to Ephesians 5.31. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Let me say it this way. The purpose of marriage is oneness. The purpose of marriage is oneness. That's the goal. God desires that you be one with your spouse, not only physically, but also socially, that you have the same circle of friends. God wants you to be one financially, that you're working together as a team, that you agree on your goals, on your priorities. God wants you to be one in purpose. And most importantly, he wants you to be one spiritually. And the only way to do that is through a relationship with God. I have seen couples, healthy, mature, professional, but one knows the Lord and the other doesn't. And they are not able to share the deepest, innermost part of their being in fellowship. And it's sad. That's really what oneness is about, is becoming one spiritually. In order for husband and wife to become one, in order for a husband and wife to become a team, there is a very necessary, a very important step that must take place. Let's read it again. It's right here in the passage, Ephesians 5. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Some translations say, leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Leaving and cleaving. There is a, there is a, 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 a very significant process that is condensed in this one verse. In order to understand it, I need to mention a little bit about soul ties. How many of you know what soul ties are? Soul tie refers to the bonding between two people's hearts in a relationship. There are two types of soul ties. There are godly soul ties and there are ungodly soul ties. There's only two relationships that are considered godly. The relationship between a husband and a wife and the relationship between a parent and a child. Those are godly soul ties. God intended us for relationship and he meant us to bond in relationship with our spouse and with our kids and with our parents. But there comes a time when our children grow up and they become adults. And God's blueprint says there is a process where they need to leave mom and dad. It doesn't mean we dishonor our parents. We're never to do that. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents. But there is a difference between being dependent on them versus being independent. And I know this touches on some cultural issues that we have here locally. But there is a process of leaving mom and dad. And what that means is, it's not that we disown them. It's just that the priority changes. There is a shift in priority between my spouse and my mom or my dad. And if I have to choose between the two, the Bible is saying that in a marriage, you need to put your spouse first. Now, I thought I had done that when I got married. I'd been living away from home for eight years. I was financially independent. I would live someplace else. I came back. I met my wonderful wife. We got married. Two years later, we had Tara. She was amazing. We brought her home, laid her down between us on the bed. We didn't even go to sleep that night. Stayed up all night. Just looking at her, I said, wow, it moves. (laughs) She was about a year old. We took her to go visit my mom. 
And uh, man, that was such a that was such a good deal. So glad we were able to do that. And uh, my mom said she wants to go visit her parents, which is about an eight hour drive. And unfortunately, Terry came down sick, and we were staying in a hotel room, and she didn't feel like going on a road trip. She was really sick. And my mom said, but if we don't go this weekend, my parents are not going to be there after that, and so this is the only window of time we have. So here I am, the two primary women in my life, and both are making a request. And what did I do? I took my mom to go visit her parents. And when I got back, stuff hit the fan. (laughs) She was so hurt. I left her sick in a town where she knew nobody with a little baby, and she was all alone. I just hit my iPad and lost my notes. (laughs) Let me get back in one moment. So she was all alone. And you know, I realized... I thought I had broken soul ties with my mom. My mom and I were very close. I love my mom. God bless her. She's passed away. She knew the Lord. It was a beautiful experience when she went to go be with him. But I had not cut the apron strings. That's a little Western term. If you, if you don't know, you know, little kids when they, in the kitchen, sometimes mom would wear an apron, you know, and kids would come alongside and they'd tag on the apron strings, mommy, mommy, I need this or want this. You know, and it's just symbolic of that relationship and that dependence that kids have on their mom. And, and I, I had not cut the emotional apron strings. I had done it financially, but my mom was still priority in my heart. And I realized I had not completed the process of leaving and cleaving. And so I came to my wife in humility. I said, I am so sorry that I hurt you. And I made a decision in my heart. I love my mom. But from, no, from now on, she is no longer the priority. My wife, and if I have to choose between the two, I will choose her. It's so important for husband and wife to be a team. And there are lots of forces that will try to undermine that relationship. And the reason it's so intense is because that is the fundamental building block of society. The enemy knows That if he can attack and destroy the fundamental building block of society, he can destroy society. Jesus said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the family is under attack. And God has a blueprint for you to be a team. Don't let anything come between, except for God, don't let anything come between you and your spouse. Amen? Amen. Moving on to verse 6. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Marriage is a picture of our relationship with God, and he is always with us. He's always with us. So, the logical conclusion is this. The mirror image is that husbands and wives are also always together. It's a picture of our relationship with God. God's original design is for one man and one woman... To spend one life together. God's blueprint knows nothing of trial marriages. Which brings us to our last point. Matthew 19, beginning in verse 7. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. 
But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Marriage is God's sacred and perfect will. It's his holy idea for procreation, for pleasure, for partnership. It's beautiful in his eyes. It's his way of bringing two people together and forming a family out of the abundance of their love. Divorce is only God's permissive will. This is not the original plan of God. But man's sinfulness triggered the idea of divorce and it was stirred up by man's hardness of heart. Although provision for divorce was allowed for reasonable cause, it is discouraged. Jesus agreed that Moses permitted divorce, but from the beginning, it was not so. Marriage is just not about two people. Marriage is also about God. It's meant to represent a picture of an excellent, of an excellent relationship between God and his bride, his people. We're going to land the plane shortly, but before we do, it's important that we hear what God said in Malachi chapter 2. Verse 15, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. Who do you belong to? And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. So in conclusion, God is the author of marriage. Only he can properly define marriage. He gave us so much value in marriage. Only when you understand how much Jesus loves you, Can you understand how much love is appropriate in marriage? A good marriage can only exist in response to the greatness of Jesus' love and sacrifice for you. Here's the point. Real marriage must be seen in light of the one who created it. Amen? Let's pray. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to invite the worship team to come on up.